Hello and welcome to the All by the Popcorn podcast. I'm Alessandra. And I'm Emily. And today we are finally talking about uh, Christopher Nolan's latest movie, Oppenheimer. Yep. The second half of the um, of the Barbie Oppenheimer Barbenheimer uh, <laughs> meme that was going around. Um, I finally watched this movie. That was the reason we took so long. <laughs> Well, it's a very heavy movie, so I can understand your needing to put it off for various reasons, and it's three hours long, so <laughs> gotta um, find the time. Yeah, I won't lie, the prospect of it being three hours um, did not make me feel good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it made me feel uncomfy. I already don't like going to the theaters all that much. Um but uh, I had to mentally prepare. And even though I wasn't quite ready, I went anyway. Um, the pa- the pacing of this movie was, was really well done. I can see how it doesn't feel like three hours to some people, but it still felt kind of like I checked my watch quite a few times. Um, and like, and like, I thought we were farther. And then mm-hmm. when I realized we were, we were only like an hour in, I was like, oh. Like, it just seemed like so much had happened. And I was like, okay, we must be a good, like, hour and a half, almost two hours in. I was like, oh, God, we're only an hour in. (laughs) Like, yeah. I I I was feeling it. I was feeling it. It really only covers, like, a few decades, but it's still um, incredibly dense uh, for those three hours um, following J. Robert Oppenheimer's life as he creates the atomic bomb. And post that, uh, his kind of um, persecution by the American government for, like, I guess them needing to kind of blame someone in the end to (laughs) the horrors of the atomic bomb. And so we kind of get a, a lot of different eras of Oppenheimer's life, like, told in a very, like, uh all of them are kind of melded together. You know, it's scene by scene. It can be different eras, different times all at once. Um, I think it's, it's makes the storytelling kind of interesting to kind of unveil the, um, after the atomic bomb kind of, you know, in, in the world and kind of having that kind of slowly become, more of the main story by the end um, with Robert Downey Jr.'s character. What did you think about that? I thought his trial, and I may have just misunderstood, but I thought his trial was more like, like, towards the end, he wasn't, he wasn't happy with kind of what happened with uh, his creation, and he was, well, I guess he really wasn't, he wasn't speaking out against it. I guess I don't really understand why he was on trial. <laughs> he wasn't really on trial per se. I think it was just. Like I mean, a... he was. They said they said he wasn't, but yeah. He was. Um, I think that this was definitely during the era of McCarthyism, and in the fifties, that's when they were pretty much going after a lot of people for being suspected communists. Um, yes. Yeah. Definitely so it that, follows through like, that. <laughs> but I kind of thought they used, but I also kind of thought they used 
you know, the, the communism witch hunt as like mm-hmm. kind of a way to take down people who were kind of like going against the, the priorities of the government. Like, um, there were a lot of petitions going around to, you know, not drop the bomb mm-hmm. on, you know, Japan or probably anyone. I mean, I know it was all gung ho for dropping it on Germany. Um, and then it moved to Japan and then there were, um, you know, a lot of opposition against that. Um, so I guess I thought, I guess I, I thought it was more that, like maybe he, like, uh, Oppenheimer was kind of feeling the more, the moral, um, how wrong it was morally to, to have done that. Um, and I thought that maybe he was like kind of speaking out against what the government did. And that's why they were putting him on quote unquote trial. Yeah, I I think it was also the persecution of specifically um, Robert Downey Jr.'s character that kind of ended up making that even happen in the first place. So I think that's kind of what's revealed by, like, Louis Strauss in the end, that he's the one who kind of made Oppenheimer go through that whole rigmarole and, like, expose his entire life to a group of men that didn't really deserve it, but... It was, like, because of Strauss's, like, personal vendetta against him that that was why that was happening. So it was a complete, like, underlying thing, you know? Yeah. Which I meant which I meant to look up, um, like, the historical accuracy of this movie and kind of read about that, but just didn't get around to it. And I wanted to finish, um, I've been watching the Broski Report, and mm-hmm. Brittany, Brittany watched this movie, and she was... T- talking about it last week before I had seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, I don't really want to listen to this until I've seen the movie. And then I wanted to go back and watch it, and I just haven't. But, um, you know, say all that to say, I didn't <laughs> do any of the extra reading I was going to do <laughs> before this podcast, which just shows how professional I am. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a biopic, so I'm sure that there's some liberties taken um, with actual like maybe sequence of events or factual evidence but it seems to be kind of like part of the artistic design of the movie to show us only certain aspects of Oppenheimer's life um you know starting with him kind of being completely consumed by the atom and its potential and it's like the visual way that that is represented is just like a lot of like sparks and like vibrating rings and things and kind of like the madness of the scientist that he was even as a young person um and even like almost poisoning his his professor because he was so like obsessed with physics <laughs> and you're just like okay so this is where we're this is where we're going in to this character um and you're not really supposed to like even when you watch that you're like you're not supposed to connect with him in a way that i think most people can because he's a physicist and he just kind of had that really straightforward brain you know yeah (laughs) he's on like like a different wavelength to Uh a lot of other people he um the way uh, Killian Murphy portrayed him, which was, which was very mesmerizing. Like he just did such mm-hmm. a beautiful job. Um, I know 
little to nothing. Let's go with nothing about Oppenheimer. Um, yeah. And um, and just from going off of Killian's performance um, of a person that I know nothing about, um, I thought he was very engaging, very like um, automaton and straightforward at times, but then you can still kind of see the charm Mm-hmm. Like, like uh, in there, like kind of peeking out at times. Um, cause you know, he's, he's, he's a very smart guy, but he is also a human with emotions, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though he might not act like it sometimes. Um, but, uh, and he might be a little crazy cause we do know geniuses are usually insane people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, that's, you know, crazy. that's an interesting, that, I mean, that's why this movie is made about him. I mean. He's an interesting figure yeah. of history. And there's really no uh, saying that he wasn't because his invention and the invention of the other scientists like changed the entire world forever. And if he didn't do it, maybe one of them would have done it with the pressure of the American government who were really like um, very evil in this movie. And just every aspect about them is just completely like the the struggle of the the war and like the desperation of not wanting to get bombed first was extremely felt in this movie um and just, probably just, terrifying honestly. yeah like just thinking yeah. about foreign powers and everyone kind of working on this same thing like mm-hmm. that's i could definitely see that i mean that, that it should be even more scary today but you know we're just so set in our ways and we just you know just live in ignorance but like it's just back then that's probably the most terrifying thing that was happening to these people <laughs> just you know the aspect that the american government was just like put in these positions to make these really insane decisions it's oh, it's a war honestly, so like <laughs> honestly, the decisions these people have to make just don't shouldn't belong to these people <laughs> I 100% Ugh. agree, but oh my it God. happened. It was It's history. Like, you know, you, you're like, why did you, uh, you know, throw all the people, why did you, you know, throw all the Native Americans off the land? And why did you put all the Japanese in internment camps? And why didn't you go over to, uh, you know, World War II and go to the front earlier and save all the Jews? Like, there's a lot of things that that they could have done differently, but this is not, like, this is what hindsight, like... You're going to you're going to see it from like, you know, decade like a, almost 100 years later of of analyzation um from many different perspectives and when you're seeing it from these one particular perspectives during this particular time, you know, you can you can understand the feelings that these characters were going through, the the feelings of war around them and also the kind of dissenting voices that we see like even with that other um scientist woman who was working on the bomb um even at one point she was like why do we even need to be making this like there's no need for the government to even drop this anymore and everybody in the room's like yeah yeah but it's not their decision it's the government's decision like it's it's like so wild that they're the ones producing something that is like given like two like these people yeah. like Truman 
um, to make these insane choices. And one of the most grotesque parts of the movie is when he's in that meeting with uh, the people who are, where they're going to decide where they're going to drop the bombs in Japan. And the guy's like, oh, my, we shouldn't drop it on Kyoto because my wife and I vacationed there and it was beautiful. And it's just like the most, just like my stomach turned and like, I wanted to like throw up for like most of this movie. And I, I think it was felt like by a lot of people in the audience, but like even that line, like everybody just like laughed because it was completely insane. Like, you're like, what? Like, did he just say that? Like, literally decided to save, you know, this many people just because of, like, cultural significance and also he honeymooned there. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's just insane. Yeah, it's almost like a weird... That scene was, like, almost like a weird, twisted, like, we're godlike figures, basically. Like, we are determining yeah. the fate of these cities of of people of of hundreds of thousands of people yeah and yeah it's yeah <laughs> I, it's, yes i remember that scene it is probably ingrained into my brain for the rest of my days um, <laughs> yeah and, and you're put into these rooms horrifying <laughs> it's crazy you're, you're put in this room and the writers christopher nolan kybert and martin sherwin like they they make you feel the gravity of this situation um very well. I think it's part of the pacing. It's part of the, the gravity of we know what these bombs did. We know. So, like, it's horrible and horrific. And so when you're watching it, like, they do an amazing job of putting you in that room, making you feel what possibly scientists and others were feeling at this time and in the rooms where it happened. Um, you know, it's just hard to I think like other media about this like tried their best but I think this was an extremely successful version of a retelling of history yeah I mean whatever what other what other forms of media do we know have been made like any documentaries any other oh sure biopic biopic types of things there was a, a 1980s movie called Oppenheimer um, with Sam Waterston as the lead. Uh, 80s? The, oh, the 80s, yes, 1980. Um, there was also oh, like... Dear goodness. You know, there's been like uh, movies about the people living um, in Los Alamos or TV show. Like I remember there was one like on sci-fi or something about like all the women, all the wives of the scientists. Oh. Um, you know, living in the town. Yeah, but like they obviously didn't get as much like critical acclaim or things that like you know, a lot of people are seeing this movie. Even the president of the United States saw this movie like it's it's like a very like large budget film with you know, real effects and from a director that's you know, well known, that's so a lot of people are well, going to see well it. Well known and renowned, yeah. I mean, yeah. What was it? Uh, we were joking, like talking about you know Oppenheimer and it coming out, and you know, me and my roommates were talking about like who wants to go see a movie about about the creation of the bomb, and I was like, I was like, no one. It's Christopher Nolan. That's why people are going to go see it. <laughs> 
Yeah. And like, um, and like history buffs. But yeah, I'm, his, I'm it's history. Sure. It's a biopic. But yeah. I'm, I mean, yes, a lot of people like history. And I know there are other reasons why people would want to go see this movie, not just because mm-hmm. it's Christopher Nolan. But I think a big, a big part of this is like, one, the star-studded cast and Christopher Nolan's names on it. I mean, yeah, everyone goes to see all of Christopher Nolan's movies. Like, it's not, <laughs> that's, yeah, I feel like that's just like, that's just a given. Like... <laughs> He makes good movies, and especially ones that are about really heady subjects. I mean, this is, you know, it is one of the most, I mean, it is one of the most important things that have ever happened in the history of, you know, humans. And so, like, who, you know, somebody who's made movies about things that are really important, like Nolan, you know, Dunkirk being an example, that movie's, like, a really difficult movie to watch, too. Um, And it's only about, like, one time and place but it's still like really important and really like uh well done and organized well done and everything you know so if i could i could say anybody to make a movie like this it would be him um so i think it he does a good job but i will say that it does come with his caveats of like the way that he which i think is generally like well done in this movie and i'm not this is not like a super critique but it does have that traditional aspect of Nolan films where, and per the time of the, you know, it's a period drama in the 40s. Yes, I get it. But women in this movie are, like, not portrayed as human beings the same way as the men. And, you know, they are not always, like, a lot of Nolan's films with women, I would argue, are lacking in that area they're either crazy or they're supporting the main character in some way like it's always to serve the men you know it's always like into the betterment of the men in the in the movie that the women even really exist (laughs) you know what i mean yeah i found myself kind of wondering what like the out of the entire movie i kind of found myself asking like what were the point of like Florence Pugh's scenes, mm-hmm. like just to, just to show that this man has flaws and he has, yeah, cheated on his wife, yeah, and, and yeah, he, sort of fell in love with a crazy woman. <laughs> she was, yeah, I mean, she was interesting for sure. They did not give her like, you know, the I think the time that she maybe deserved. But then also, this is about him, so like. You can't just ignore her existence. She is part of Oppenheimer's life and and a big part of it. Um, So there's that. But she did, you know, she did spend most of the movie naked. And that was like a lot of, uh, I I think it was, it was well done. It wasn't like it was grotesque or anything. It wasn't ridiculous. But it did show that side of him of like, this is somebody who can have compassion for, um, someone who may not like respond in the way that he wants right so it's kind of Mm -hmm. like an interesting she was just there to serve for his his kind of flaws and his own um hang-ups um yeah and you know his connection to the communist party in the end um but emily emily blunt as well too she was you know she had her own problems (laughs) Yeah, she seemed to be unhappy in all, all of, of her, her marriages. marriages. <laughs> <laughs> she had so many marriages. Uh, 
But I mean, what else? I mean, what else is a woman to do during that time? I know. Yeah. Just get married. <laughs> well, or it, be a scientist. But you know, the, the, but then, but then the lady scientist had that one scene where it's like, get her out of here. We don't know what this radiation is going to do to your uterus. Mm-hmm. I was Apparently, like, oh. that was real. Like the uh, the actual. I think her name was Ruth something. Uh, I'll find it. She was like actually like said to have said that um, to the men like. That she was like, you're the ones who have your, you know, um, testicles oh, your on the outside of your on body. The, on the outside of your body. Yeah. You're, like, more, yeah. you're more at risk than I am. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, but everybody's at risk. Like, you're around. It's radioactive material. Like, it's not good for anyone. You know? So, like. Uh, but apparently the, the lady um, who. I gotta find her name. She was she's a real scientist and she lived to be like 96 years old so good for her hell yeah i'm gonna, I'm gonna find uh find her name real quick because i would looked her up after the movie there were also other women that were you know involved in the scientific community that were not shown in the movie of course like <laughs> it's not they just don't do a good job i think of like Ruth, uh, Ruth Tolman, Louise Lombard. Yes, Isn't that, that sounds that right to me. No, Lily Hornig, Lily Hornig. That's oh. the name of the, yes, that's the name of the female physicist. And I think she was originally from Poland in real life. Um, okay. Yeah. Definitely like not thought about as much because i mean i can imagine that oppenheimer and, and a lot of men in this era just didn't really they just brushed women away like you know they just yeah. didn't women just didn't have as many rights so like they were subservient to men and even in the 1940s even though there were women who were doing their very best to be uh you know it part of these circles and some of them were uh, it's just definitely like a thread through Nolan's films that he just like doesn't know how to write women sometimes I'm like dude <laughs> is this how women act have you been around a woman <laughs> yeah I mean yeah it's like a really male like <laughs> male space um, yeah I didn't have so, too many expectations for this movie because I really wasn't sure, like, what all they were going to cover. I was surprised they went... I'm surprised yet not surprised that they went so um, far into the beginning with him in school. And I was it was really interesting that he, you know, traveled a lot and mm-hmm. talked to a lot of international physicists, um, foreign physicists, to kind of learn. And then he essentially brought physics... And, like, mm-hmm. his line of study to the U.S., which hadn't even been studying it yet, which is interesting. I found that very interesting. Mm-hmm. If it's, if it's true. It's probably you know, true. I, that probably yeah. seems like one of the more, the more seemingly true plot points. The portrayal of the scientific community was great. Like, I loved just... There were so many scientists in this movie. You know, you, you got, like... Every scientist that's portrayed, they have all this infighting. They have all this, like, disagreement between theoretical and applied physics and, like, other things. And it's just, like, 
things that are still today. There's a lot of infighting. You know, the, the academic community, the scientific community does not agree on everything all the time. Um, there was even a spy in there. Like, there, it just... There was it, a whole <laughs> ass spy. <laughs> It just all these actors that we love are just playing all these really smart people and it's just it's great i mean they're they're all just kind of thrown in there there's so many characters there's so much going on and you're just like there for the ride um and in that sense you say, you're saying academic infighting was making me think of um Ellie Hazelwood's books. Yes, like yeah, yeah. It was like that, but with like ten times more characters. Like, yes. <laughs> so like, many they're more. all they all care about their ideas. You know, they all fight over giant tables with like humongous plants in the middle of them. And uh, yeah, that scene it's... was funny with the <laughs> with the straws. With straws and um, uh, and all the other people talking about well, the like the second time that him and Oppenheimer had a had a disagreement mm-hmm. uh, with that plant in the middle of the table was so funny. Yeah, and like obviously they have Einstein in this movie, which is kind of interesting, and I wonder how much of that was like just complete fabrication, and how much of it was just. Maybe they did have a relationship. I truly do not know. But it seems like he was kind of thrown in there to just... Yeah. Add to the story, add to the, like, intrigue in the community that, like, obviously Einstein's discoveries um, helped fuel everyone after him. And he's partially responsible for this, too. And so you're just like... There's so many layers of questioning morals, like science, should it even be made in the first place? Like, really, like, isn't it inevitable that science would have been led to this conclusion in in any sort of way? You know, science is, like, so, <laughs> like, even still largely undiscovered, so... There's always going to be yeah. people doing things like, you know, and obviously a bomb is insane. Um, but they were like fueled by theory and also the government and the war. So. And, you know, there's a that's a lot of there's a lot of motivation and inspiration to mm. to invent this kind of shit that could so, catch I mean... the the atmosphere on fire. That yeah, that literally had a close to zero chance of catching the atmosphere on fire. That was um, that was insane. That was definitely insane. I heard today on a podcast that was about it was about not this. It was about um, the idea that your cells, you know, your cells are always regenerating and always dying, and you have like a certain amount of like. Um, carbon four in your body and when they were doing all these atomic bomb tests in like the 50s and stuff the carbon was going into the atmosphere and then like depositing itself all around the entire world you know into tree rings into people into you know plants 
And so you can like see rings of like higher elevated levels of carbon four, like in every living thing that was around during this time. And you can like actually use it to um, date cell like life because they have a half life. So like every year that goes by, you know, a certain amount of it is left. And yeah. you can use that to like figure out how old a cell is. Isn't that crazy? Oh, that is crazy. <laughs> I heard it today and I was like, what? <laughs> That's how they used to like figure out how like long your cells take to regenerate in your body. Um, I thought that was interesting and also terrifying. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, so obviously this movie, uh, let's keep talking about, you know, the things that the people that it impacted, the, you know, Native Americans on the land and also the Japanese people who were unfortunate to be in, in the bomb zone and everyone around them. And I think better keep teaching this in school because I remember watching a documentary about it, I think in high school and they show you all of the horrific things that did that happen to people yeah i think i remember this yeah it was it's it's just they don't like i feel like the movie kind of had that emotional weight that didn't need to show you this the horrors and then you kind of got to like see how it made everyone feel and especially in that scene in the end when Oppenheimer has to do his little speech and everybody's like banging on the um, the stands and that's kind of like a through line through the whole movie and you, you realize that it's like the cheering and chanting of the people who are like grotesquely like nationalistic and patriotic about killing all those people. And he's like struggling to like be up there and then he steps in in like a dead carcass it's it's just like so uh you know like really well done scene just like really horrific they were able to like you said like not really show they they did have that they did have that um like turn to ash corpse on the ground but like other than that they really didn't show too much other stuff but yes it was still very very felt emotionally because like obviously we're aware of of history and and what happened and what happened to these people um and are still even today shocked by the decisions that were made um but yeah even even with not because there was a part there was a part where they were like it was like a presentation or something, not mm-hmm. a presentation, but like, like they, they were getting after, after the bomb was, the bombs were dropped, they were getting data in like mm-hmm. of like, just of what things looked like, the number of casualties and deaths and kind of like the environmental impact of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, they were showing someone photos, but they were not showing them to us. And so, but it was just, you could just see the reaction like on these people's faces of like what the fuck did we do like it was Mm -hmm. it was very 
know, it just it still, it still felt very emotional without having to like actually see it, which is nice because I feel like yeah. a lot of a lot of directors and and people like to show that stuff for the shock value when it can when it can still be just as just as felt without showing you the grotesqueness of it all, which we've obviously all seen photos of and video footage of and, you know, anything else that's out there just because of history documentation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So And like and going back to like the different sounds. Like I, I you're talking about like the different um you know the the sparks that he sees and those weird little like electro like wavelengths that like mm-hmm. we see sometimes too. Um and then yeah, you hear like he'll he'll be in a situation and it'll seem like he's he's panicking or getting overwhelmed and you'll start hearing like rumbling and you'll start like seeing the walls behind him like shaking as if like mm-hmm. you know it's the aftermath of of a bomb or something or you know and maybe an earthquake who knows but like it's just that's just like the the scene the visual you're getting um and yeah it's like what the sounds of like the people stomping their feet like run at it like can also sound like that too. It just, it all kind of like, you're like, what are you listening to? And you kind of find out what all these sounds are later on. Because, because like with the, going back to the pacing of the movie, things are kind of done in order yet out of order. Like there are parts Mm -hmm. where it's like, you see a scene and this is kind of what Brittany was talking about in her podcast before I stopped watching. We were talking about like kind of how you kind of re-see scenes either Mm -hmm. in black and white or in color Mm-hmm. And she had she had looked up why that is, and it's whatever scenes were not specifically from Oppenheimer's point of view were in black and white, mm-hmm. and then scenes from Oppenheimer's point of view were in color. That um, makes sense. Yeah. And so you just kind of see these scenes over again from a different point of view, and sometimes they felt kind of repetitive, but sometimes they did actually feel very different, like mm-hmm. from... From someone else's point of view. I feel like, I feel like visually in a movie, unless it's like, unless it's really filmed or like done in a different kind of way, maybe it's a little hard to make a scene, the same scene feel very different. I don't know. Like the scenes felt like just slight, the slightest bit different. Well, yeah. Like Um, the one where he goes to talk to Einstein by the lake. That was seen from two different perspectives. Yeah. 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 It was like th- there there was one that that we kept that we kept seeing re- repeated and it just kind of felt the same. Mm-hmm. Um I can't remember. Maybe it was in the No, it wouldn't have been in the trial. I don't know. They did have some that were in black and white in the trial and some that weren't. Yeah. Um but Oppenheimer wasn't in in the in the Strauss trial at all. Uh, oh, that wasn't a trial. That was like a uh, oh cross examination. Like a um, he was oh. just being asked questions so he could be appointed uh, one of the cabinet members for the president. Oh, yes. So apparently he, he was got nominated, denied. and then he got denied. Which apparently he was the very first person to get denied because <laughs> he was wow. a dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think that some of the the sentiments against him basically may have turned the tide enough so that he wasn't actually part of the cabinet. 
Um, yeah. But, you know, there is a lot of, there's a lot. Of, I mean, there's a lot of pe- people of history. So I can't you know, say how much of his influence impacted events. But Robert Downey Jr., though, I mean, he's 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 definitely a contender for best supporting actor. It was amazing. His flip in the end was fantastic. Obviously, Killian is completely getting a nomination, if not a win. I don't see how he wouldn't. <laughs> He's, he, like, he gave, like, the performance of a lifetime for this movie. Don't you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen too much of his other stuff. Like, I haven't even seen Peaky Blinders, and I heard he's supposed to be really good in that, too. Um... I think I tried to tried to start Peaky Blinders and I just didn't get very far. But same. I'll go back again. I'll do it. <laughs> People love that show. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it's really good. And I think I think I could be wrong. But was he in like I felt like he was in a really old, like not masterpiece classic, but maybe like something else that I felt like he was in. Yeah, like a a period drama? I feel like he was in something. Yeah. Okay, dude. He's in a lot of stuff. So, like, I'm pretty sure that when I remember him first was probably Batman Begins because he's Scarecrow. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, like, Dark Knight, obviously. Um, You know know what he was in? He was in that um, The Way We Live Now miniseries that we watched. The way we live now. Yes, it was like he almost got caught up in the railroad scheme. It was like a turn of the century um, show. And it was a miniseries. And it had that girl who played Moaning Myrtle uh, and Harry Potter. He was just kind of like a kind of a down on his luck guy. Yes, and Matthew McFadden was it. Yes, Matthew. <laughs> I mean, I mean, don't even put it past us that we would watch a fucking romance. We, uh, of course, of course, we would fucking watch this. Of course, I know. We fucking watch this. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! We watched so much. I can't even remember everything that we watched. Yeah. God. Oh my god. But yeah. No, Kelly Murphy definitely getting a nomination most definitely a win um and you know with christopher nolan just just being the beast that he is he's probably gonna get like a ton of sound and special effects effects. yeah i mean all that shit all the technical shit and they're (laughs) you know all like there's no like hardly any cgi in this movie like they actually you know blew things up blue blue shit up yes they did i mean you know how they did it with dunkirk they had like little mini planes and like they were like actually shooting them and stuff like blowing them up and whatever like it's the same thing yeah yeah um oh my god the surprise to me in this movie was when kenneth brana showed up (laughs) kenneth brana Kenneth, he's making another Agatha Christie movie. And is, that, is that what the Haunting of Venice is? Yes, 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 yes. Are they are they fucking like knives outing this shit? I don't know what. Like, but that's like, what it feels like. You that's know what, what we feels like. We need to do is we need to do a Agatha Christie 
uh, hall and just watch those, oh, like, God. read the, the little books, read the books, and then watch oh, them. No. Oh, <laughs> I already don't like this idea. I don't like this idea. Oh, my God. I already don't like this. Um, oh, goodness. Yes. The, oh, my gosh. The, the trailers before this movie were so scary. I didn't want to be there. Like, it wasn't helping me. Oh. Like, this, the haunting of Venice was scary. And there was this other one. The Oh, my God. This, like, this exorcist one. Oh, oh God, yeah. So that was Sandra. so scary. I had to oh look my... away. I couldn't watch it. Oh my I couldn't watch God. it. Yeah. I was, like, I was, like, sitting next to these. T- I were so many old people in my theater, Alessandra, watching this movie. It's better than kids. Um, it's better than kids. Yeah, and um, and these like, these two old ladies next to me were so cute. They reminded me of you and I, oh. and um, and they were, we were like going through, <laughs> like going through the trailers, and they're like, "Oh, let's watch that one," like or <laughs> like the scary the scary ones would end, and they'd be like, they're like, "Don't no, not for me. I don't want to watch that one." Like it was so cute. <laughs> like, oh my god, but that Exorcist one was so fucking scary. Oh my god, like it, it already put me in a in a weird anxious mood before the movie even fucking started like just i know not I what know. i not what i needed and then this movie made me very anxious um, oh same same i oh, did God. not sleep like for like two days after i saw this movie it, just, it was and i was, was so tired after this movie i was like oh my god my brain like it just it's it so just, emotionally like, heady it just beat my brain to a pulp <laughs> a pulp <laughs> Oh no! Well, you don't have to watch it ever again. You did it. You know what? Yes, yes. I was thinking about this movie. I was like, I was like, do I appreciate this movie for its cinematic and artful excellence? Yes. Did Killian Murphy do an amazing job? Yeah. Did everyone do an amazing job? Yes. Will I watch this? Did I personally want to watch a movie about the bomb? Not really. But do I ever need to watch this movie again? No. No. Because I experienced it once, and that's it. That's all. It's all for me. Mm-hmm. It's all I need. Is there any fun trivia? Um. Well, there is should, a. Should, should the... we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break, and then we can look at some trivia. Okay. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey. 
Okay, we are back. Um, I did want to say that some of the trivia is that uh, in India, they have like a no nudity on TV thing, you know, in the movie theaters. So they had, I don't know if you saw this, but Florence Pugh wearing a CGI dress whenever she was naked. They like put like a weird CGI dress on top of her. You got to look it up. It is... It's weird, <laughs> but you know, they they still showed the movie. It's not like they didn't show it. They just had to cover her up because she, you know, is naked. Because <laughs> she's naked. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah, I mean, well, you do what you got to do, and if it's putting a putting a CGI dress over a naked lady, then, then there, yeah, there it is. It just looks like it just looks like someone took a black marker and just like just, <laughs> just covered it up. Yep, yep, just on the tape. Um, so the first trivia it says in order for the black and white sections of the movie to be shot in the same quality as the rest of the film, Kodak developed the first ever black and white film stock for IMAX. Whoa. That's cool. I actually saw this movie in 70 millimeters, so that was really cool. I, oh. I don't, oh. I think I was going to see it in 70 millimeters until I canceled my ticket. Mm-hmm. And then I, and then I think the other theater I ended up going to, I didn't, I didn't see it in 70 millimeters. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Nope, I didn't see it. <laughs> Um, there's also, when in the bunker, Oppenheimer says that they'll know if the bomb is successful in one hour and 58 minutes. And the bomb goes off in the movie at the one hour and 58 minute mark. That is totally something that Nolan would do. (laughs) That whole scene was also grotesque and scary. Like all of the, I mean, they're all just like cheering because it was a successful test. But then, like, the implications of the test were just, like, you know, horrific. And it's just, like, the loudness of the clapping is so overwhelming and just, like, uncomfortable, you know? Yeah, I, just just the noises of, of, like, other things were, like, more anxiety-inducing than even the bomb sound. Like, once... Yeah. Like, you know, we had that... <clears throat> we had that expansive silence right as the the light goes the extreme brightness um that's just like absolutely blinding and, and silent like, and completely silent and you just are seeing everyone like just witnessing this and then finally you hear the noise but like that was less that gave me less anxiety than the people mm-hmm. stomping yeah in that like celebration the speech part that part was like, I was like, oh my God, can you please stop? <laughs> it was so gross. I mean, it also mirrors the utter, like, disgusting patriotism that people have for this country today. And we're like watching it, you know, wartime is a very patriotic time, especially in World War II. And you're just like, you really should just not be like blindly 
blindly following just, something because they just see it they were afraid it just, to. Seems like, it just seems like they see it as a sport and they're rooting for rooting for our team yeah i mean care what happens at the expense of the other people <laughs> it's true it's true i mean the reason that we have not been attacked is because we have the most like we're in a stalemate of of atomic weapons and um weapons of mass destruction that keeps keeps everyone kind of safe in a way and it's really fucked up but that's kind of the way it is <laughs> you know in politics today um uh, yeah yeah uh yeah. this trip is kind of kind of cute and fun uh, matt damon was on a break from acting as a promise to his wife with one condition it would go on hold if christopher nolan called oh and guess what christopher <laughs> nolan called <laughs> He called and asked him to win an Oscar. There you go. Um, that was was a good character too. He was pretty funny. The writer of the book uh, that it, this movie is kind of based off of, which is the American Prometheus, Kai Bird. Apparently, he visited the set and he was stunned to see Killian Murphy saying, "Doctor Oppenheimer, I've been waiting decades to meet you." <laughs> Oh. And he said, we've all been reading your book. The actor told him it's mandatory reading around here. That's cute. Yeah. Um, it says because of the size of the IMAX 17, 15 per 17 millimeter film, 70 millimeter film, and the speed at which it is pulled through the camera it is nearly impossible to record onset sound with the camera running. This is why most dialogue scenes are shot in the on the five perf 70 millimeter format rather than the full frame IMAX. Oh, okay. Mm. I mean, this technically, this oh. movie's crazy. <laughs> Te- technically, yeah. Um, this was kind of interesting. When Matt Damon read the script for first presented to him by Christopher Nolan, he was flabbergasted to see it was written on red paper <laughs> in the first person. A format he had never professionally seen before. Red paper? With what color ink? And, and first person. I don't know. A darker That's red? Very interesting. <laughs> I don't know. Probably black? Yeah. White? I don't know. That's so weird. Uh, All right. Should we move on? Any other ones? Yeah. Any other no, it's, it's good. There's a ton in here if you want to check it out. Also, you could read that guy's book because he seems to know a lot about it. I will not do that. You won't. <laughs> I will also not. But there yeah. are I will I will sit through a three hour movie about a book talking about this. But uh-huh. reading for me is fun. And reading about this does not seem fun to me. <laughs> so, so let's I'm sure it's up. very fun to other people, but uh <laughs> not to me. Alright, here we go. The plot keywords. We've got American politics, Manhattan Project, nuclear physicist, nuclear, year 1945. Okay. Okay. Sure. No, that like, sounds right. Oppenheimer character or, you know, <laughs> sorry, you know like, I don't know, bomb, atomic bomb, I don't know, whatever. Um, so this movie got an 88 Metascore with 67 positive reviews, two mixed and zero negative reviews. 
It has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, one hundreds. <laughs> I'm surprised it's not higher. Yeah, it's what I mean. It's those. It's the lowest ones that are bringing it down. The fifty New Yorker and the fifty five Film Verdict that wow. are that are really All sucking right. it down from those twenty five one hundreds. Well, I know, but that's also like wow. That really brings it down. That's crazy. Because I'm like, it's only a fifty. Like a fifty is not even that bad. That's a that's a fucking Guy Ritchie movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, yeah yeah you're right <laughs> no 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 they're they're usually no no no. are they usually in the 60s no, no. they're lower they're lower because yeah, yeah, remember yeah. he makes the most okay movies of all time as yes, we said yes he sure does he sure does. he's he in fact does that um okay the new yorker give it a 50 um oppenheimer sacrifices much of its dramatic force to the importance of its subject and to nolan's pride at having tackled it which is to say to his own self-importance. Oh, I mean... Okay. <laughs> That's not wrong, but, like, it's come not on. Wrong. <laughs> this is his movie. Come on. It's, dude, get with the program. You're so un-American. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Christopher Nolan's not even American, so... I know. <laughs> <sighs> but Americans love his movies. I sure do. <laughs> I'm going to read um, Consequences 75, Liz Shannon Miller's. As a viewing experience, Oppenheimer is a whole lot of movie, a man's life given the epic treatment, because he did do truly epic things, things that elevate his life story beyond the limitations of genre. And thus, the film proves exceptional at drawing the audience into the experience when it lets its power of its images do the talking. The best moments stand out as some of the most original and exciting filmmaking of the year. Highs that do a lot to counterbalance the sequences, which dive back into bureaucracy and comparatively petty rivalries. Wow. It's an amazing blurb. Thank you, Liz. I will tell that my brother was... that we loved her review. <laughs> that was very in-depth. My goodness. All right, let's see. Were there any other ones? Or should I pick one of these fucking 20-something 100s? <laughs> Close your eyes and just, like, pick one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's okay, yeah, so many of them. <laughs> okay. This one. Okay. Entertainment. Here we oh, go. Oh, all right. <laughs> Though we may seem disparate. Uh, disparate? Disparate? No, you were I right. I this word. You were right first. Dis, dis, what did I say first? Disparate. Disparate. Um, the many elements of Oppenheimer refract and reflect each other, like a bunch of atoms creating a chain reaction or a group of scientists building off each other's ideas to forge something new. Wow, that was boring. Okay. All right. I see what um, you did there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yay. Want me to clap? Yay. No. 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 Um, no, cla no claps for you. I will pick one randomly now, too. Okay. Here we go. Um, okay. Okay, The Atlantic. Oh, that was a, that's a 95, but I'll read it anyway. Nolan is best known for spectacle, and some viewers will be able to see Oppenheimer in bone-rattling IMAX projected on a skyscraper-sized screen. But it's more impressive for how the director has made such a personal narrative feel epic, not just in visual breath, but in dramatic sweep, presenting a story from the past that feels knotted to so many present anxieties about nuclear annihil annihilation. 
Hey. Hey, great. Thank you. Okay. Anxiety, that's me. Mm, this movie was all anxiety, <laughs> feel, as we said I about feel so Dunkirk. Seen. <laughs> I feel so seen. I mean, this is even worse than Dunkirk for anxiety, I think, for me. Dunkirk, though, had that, like, ticking clock aspect that was just, like, so stressful and so many people died, like, on the screen. And I hate when I that happens. I need to rewatch Dunkirk. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't quite... I was probably anxious during that movie, but I don't quite remember. We called like it... Deserves, we literally, like, relabeled the movie in the... When we, when we reviewed it. Oh. And it was yeah, called... You, like, said... Three hours of anxiety in French. So I said... Yes. I will try to say it now. Très on the anxiété. There we go. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. Beautifully said in French. Um, all right. That is Oppenheimer, the absolute opposite of Barbie. <laughs> that I will Anything? be seeing again. <laughs> you, Barbie? You're going to see Barbie again? Yeah, I'm going to go see it again next week. I'm doing it. Ah, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Um, all right. Is that all we got to say about Oppenheimer? Yeah. Oh, God. I'm not sure if you can hear Pod's meowing really loud. <laughs> no. Okay. He's in the living room. I thought he was heading this way. <laughs> like, like, are you, you done? He gets so loud. Um, okay. No. Okay. We're done. We're done. This is it. This is it for Oppenheimer. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review it. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Sorry. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, not Stitcher. Uh, what are the other ones? Uh, IMDb. There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we're also on Amazon Music, Spotify, and Acast. If you want to email us, please do that at allbythepopcornpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow our social media. We have Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. Just search All By The Popcorn or All By The Popcorn Podcast. And uh, we have merch, so please check that out. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you in the next one. Goodbye. Bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.